Well, today I'm going to speak on the theme, It's Never Too Late with God. And we're going to take our reading from Matthew chapter 21 and verse 28. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 28. Just while you're turning to it, there's a context here. Jesus is in the temple and he's specifically addressing the priests and the elders, the leaders, the religious leaders and the political leaders of the nation of Israel. And uh, they are asking him by what authority he does his works and speaks his words. And he says, hey, I'll answer you if you answer me. Where did John's words and authority come from, from above or below? And the elders and the priests, they, they, they didn't know how to answer. If they said that John was speaking from above, then he would say, well, why didn't you do what he told you to do? But if they said that John's words were just from below, that God wasn't in them, then they would angry the people who knew that John was an apostle. I mean, John was a prophet. And so they didn't answer. And Jesus said, well, neither will I answer you. But then he kept addressing these leading figures. And that's where we pick it up in verse 32. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go, work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted and went. Then he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. So here in this passage we see the story, and he's addressing it to these religious leaders. And in this story, there's two sons. And the father asks his two sons to go and work in his vineyard. The first says no, and then something happens in his heart. He relents, and he goes and works. The second says, yes, I'm on my way, but doesn't go. And Jesus was likening this parable to the very leaders that he was speaking about. Now, when we talk about the vineyard, the vineyard has very symbolic significance in both Old and New Testament. Because in the Old Testament, the vineyard is often a symbol of God's nation of Israel. And so God is the vine owner and the vine dresser, and Israel is the vine. And God is looking for fruit from his vine, Israel. And often the fruit isn't there, and sometimes we find that God will judge the vineyard for not producing fruit. In the New Testament, Jesus is also using the picture of the vineyard as the kingdom of God. And so here John was inviting people to get ready for the kingdom of God. Jesus was inviting people into the kingdom of God, this vineyard, to work the kingdom works. 
And the leaders had rejected. Uh, they were like the son that said yes and didn't go. But the tax gatherers, the prostitutes, all those in society that were considered ungodly, they'd heard the call and they had entered in the, into the vineyard of the kingdom of God to do the work of the father. And so this first son, interesting character, the father goes to him and says, son, will you today go and work in my vineyard? And his initial reaction is, no, I won't. What was that initial reaction and, and why did he give it? Why did he say to his father, no, I won't go into that vineyard? Well, your guess is as good as mine, but I've had a few guesses. Could it be that uh, uh, he didn't want to work in his father's vineyard anymore? Maybe he thought, it's time for me to have my own patch of land. Uh, maybe he had designs on starting his own orchard. Or maybe he wanted a field where he could plant seed and have his own harvest. Why would he give his labour, his effort, his energy and his time to the father's vineyard? Surely, if it was a good father, the father would say, well, what do you want to do, son? And I'll put my authority and blessing behind it. What do you want to do as a business? Oh, I'd like a new orchard or I'd like a field. Father, get behind what I want to do in my life and bless it. Could it be that he felt that his father was, was holding out on the best for him and that to work in his father's vineyard, he would somehow be at a loss? Or maybe he didn't think that the vineyard was worth working in. Maybe he despised the call to work in the vineyard. Maybe he had a higher opinion of himself and, and what he wanted to do with his gifts. And to work in his father's vineyard was, was beneath him. Uh, maybe he didn't like his father. Maybe he felt that his, his father wanted to take his time and rob him, that his father was a hard taskmaster, that he wouldn't get uh, any reward, he wouldn't get payment, that his father was just playing on the fact that he was his son. Maybe he misunderstood the love and care of his father. Whatever it was, it gave the reaction of, no, I won't. But it wasn't too late for him. Because you could imagine that at that moment, the father might have been annoyed. That at that moment, the father might have said, how dare you? Don't you know, I'm your father. Where's the respect to my authority? I brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world too. Why won't you go into, this is disrespectful as a son. Uh, why won't you do what I say? Uh, you've had, I've asked you to go. You won't go. Get out of my way. Get out of my sight and send him packing. He didn't do that, did he? When the father heard him say no, what did the father do? The father left him alone. But something of the Holy Spirit worked in that boy's heart because the more he thought about it, the more he realised that what he'd said was wrong and that really what he should do and what was best for him was to follow the advice of his father. It wasn't too late for him. He'd said no, but it wasn't too late for him. His father gave him time to come to that decision because the father wanted willing workers. He didn't take his son and said, right, I will make you work. That would be a slave, wouldn't it? He wanted willing workers and he allowed the Holy Spirit to work in his son's heart and then the father was willing. It wasn't too late for him. Even though he said no, he went into the vineyard. But then we have this other son and uh, he immediately said, yes, I'm on my way. Now, this was a superficial response to call from the call of his father to work in the vineyard, to work in the kingdom 
of God. And of course, we have to beware superficiality in Christian life. We all have to beware that. And the thing about the songs that we sing and the prayers that we pray together is often we sing songs where we're saying yes to Jesus. We love you, Lord. We'll do this for you. We'll do the other. We're so grateful, whatever you want. And we sing these songs. We're saying yes. But in our hearts, perhaps we don't have the intention to carry out fully or at all the words that we're saying. Or a clever articulate preacher makes some sort of altar call and we feel a little bit of emotion towards it. Really, we should respond in some way, form and measure. So we give the preacher what he's looking for. We give him the yes. We say the words. Uh, But like this person, our yes doesn't necessarily mean that we'll go into that vineyard and carry out what we've said. Jesus is specifically addressing the religious people who think that they've said yes to God, but weren't working in God's real vineyard at all. As we think about this call to work in the vineyard and the person that said no, but then in his actions said yes, and the person who said yes, but then in his actions said no, we need to realise that it's never too late with God for change to come into our lives. One of my favourite non-biblical quotes of all times is by the great Victorian novelist called George Eliot. And uh, although although it's a man's name, uh, uh, it's a woman, but she had to call herself George to sell her books in those days. So this is what she said. It's never too late to be what you might have been. Just leave that up for a while for some people to meditate on. It's never too late to be what you might have been. Many, many times over many, many years, I've been encouraged by this when I've thought I've missed the boat. It's too late. The chances have passed. I can't become what I might have been. Uh, It's gone. The moment has passed uh, and, uh, and, uh, and it'll never happen and I'll never become. You know, when you're a child, It's like you can be anything you want to be. Five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds. You ask them what they want to be. And every day they want to be something else. One day he wants to be a fireman. Next day she wants to be prime minister. The day after he wants to be a clown in a circus. Why not? And every day, and and it seems like the options are limitless. You you can play games, role play on what you're going to be when you grow up and what football team you're going to star in when you become that famous footballer or what band you're going to sing in when you win the X Factor. All these things, it's children's dreams and it's wonderful. But as time passes, so opportunities uh, begin to limit and close. Our options begin to narrow. Uh, You get yourself out on a football team and you realise that you're not the David Beckham that you thought you were going to be. Your options just got narrowed. Or you find out that you're not going to be the next uh, Einstein when you look at your GCSE maths results. And so limitunities, uh, sorry, limitunities, a new word. I I won't attribute that to the Holy Spirit, but I'll say, Limitunities increase 
in our lives until we find ourselves in a place where sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we can reflect and think of what might have been, what we could have been but could never be now. And we wonder about those things as you get older. And they often say that there is a middle age syndrome where you get into your middle ages, where you've gone so far in a career or situation and you've got to a place and you know that no revolution is going to happen. And you finally realise that you've got to the part of the ladder uh, and, and you're not going to climb any further. And you think, well, is this for me? But listen, listen, God says it's never too late to be and do what you might have been and done. And that's my message to you. But not only do we look at what we might have been and might have done, we also look at ourselves, the person that we desire to become in God, our character. How often do we fail to become the people that we want to be? Especially when we become a Christian and we read of the great characters, Bible-believing men and Bible-believing God and spirit-filled men and women in the Bible and we see their example and we dream of, of who we could be, a loving, uh, honest Christian who can shine the light of God into their families, into their marriage, into their office, into their neighbourhood. The type of levels of maturity that we could become as we're looking in our vision week at maturing, mobilising and multiplying. One of the key elements is maturing. Maturing doesn't just mean being old in age. You can get some very immature older people, can't you, younger people? All the younger people say amen. amen. So you, you can get some very immature older people. We're talking, 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 another word. <laughs> Not from the Holy Spirit. We're talk, talking about maturing, becoming everything God has designed you and equipped you to be. Everything. I remember we're still in the New Year period. And I remember on New Year's Eve coming into 2000, on the millennia. And here we are, Kensington Temple. We were at our North Acton venue. And we had an all-nighter and we were going to end, some of you remember, we were going to end with a cooked breakfast. And it was about two o'clock in the morning, the new year had come in, the new millennium had come in. And I just went up to the bathroom to wash my face, to keep myself going, freshen myself up, getting a bit tired. And, uh, and the strange thing happened, as I washed my face, I then dried my face and I looked into the mirror to check myself and a strange thing happened, I caught my own eye in a gaze. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't often gaze at myself in the mirror. Maybe some of you do. This morning, you go in the mirror, you check yourself, and you just check you're all right. You don't spend your time gazing at your own. If you do, something's wrong. But at that moment, I caught my own, something was happening, and then I had an internal vision. It was on the inside, but it was as powerful as if I was seeing it in that mirror right now. And in my heart, I saw myself in that mirror transformed. And the transformation was spiritual more than visual, except when I looked at myself, the way that I looked at myself and the way that I appeared, I had become everything I had desired to be as a person. I was in a snapshot Holy Ghost moment looking at a fully mature Bruce Atkinson. It's hard to describe a spiritual vision, but, but I saw in myself a joy, a liberty, 
a freedom of the Holy Spirit, a detachment from all the pulls and distractions of the world. I was freed from the world and its influence and what a wonderful freedom that that seemed. There was a confidence, a confidence and an air of boldness about me that was, was not humanly concocted or it was a confidence in God and in his, in his word. And as I looked at myself, I thought, that's the me I've always wanted to be. I'm very grateful for that snapshot. I've not arrived there yet by any means. But that snapshot was encouraging uh, because I thought, wow, these things are possible. Great change. Now, I'm not saying it'll happen overnight, but great change. God has, has begun a work in our lives and he hasn't finished. He's got so much more he wants to do in our lives. So it's never too late to be what God has called you to be. Now, I say that because our history can hinder us. And we can look back and we can think of the things that we wanted to do, but never did. We can think of the things we hoped to accomplish, but never accomplished. And we can also look at our own character and, and be disappointed within ourselves. You know, it's one thing to be disappointed in other people, but it's a totally different order to be disappointed in yourself. And I think that many of us are deeply disappointed in ourselves, in our hidden selves. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't like people to see everything that goes on on the inside of me. I'm sure you wouldn't like everybody to see the thoughts and intentions of your heart. And although nobody else sees it, you do on a daily basis. For good or for worse, you have to wake up to yourself every morning. And for good or for worse, you have to go to bed with yourself, if you know what I'm saying, even if there's someone next to you every night. You and yourself, well, there you are. And so you, you know what's going on inside. And a deep disappointment can turn into a deep discouragement. We can come to the place in our life, both in what we're doing and who we're becoming, where we hit a plateau. We say, well, I've tried to grow in the Lord more. And I had that time when I was really running with God, but that was a long time ago. I've had a go and I went so far, but then I failed. And now I'm back where I started. It seems like it's one, two, three steps forward and then one, two, three, four steps back sometimes. And we get discouraged, disheartened, and we forget that God is at work even when we're going backwards in our lives as much as he's worked in our going forwards. God has not given up on you. Not one iota has he given up on you. Don't give up on yourself. Don't say, this far I have come and that's the most I can hope for. Maybe as I grow older in the years, a little bit further. God has only just begun in our lives and he'll turn our failures even into his success. Just keep trusting and believing and it's never too late with God. Never too late with God. So sometimes we don't do what we've wanted to do and we don't become what we've hoped to become and sometimes that can paralyze us and sometimes we can say to God when he calls us into his vineyard like the first one I will not and that I will not can be many reasons some of them I've already mentioned I will not 
I've got my eyes on other things. You come into my vineyard, Lord. You come into my orchard, into my field of operation. Bless me in what I'm doing. Give me a success in what I'm doing, Lord. Get behind me. I will not go in your vineyard. I'm trying to create my own orchard. We're too busy with other things. And we think that working in the vineyard, perhaps, might not benefit us. But in the vineyard is everything that you want to become. You become it when you work in the vineyard. In the vineyard is not just working for the Lord, but all the grapes of the new wine promises of the gospel are found there in the vineyard. And you eat as you pick, as you grow. The fruit is not just for others, it's also for you. The Father calls you into the work of the kingdom, that's the vineyard, because he wants you to become what you want to become most deep down in your heart. And he wants you to achieve together with others what he has called and placed you on this earth to achieve. It can only be achieved in the vineyard. As we move into focusing on maturing, you mature in the vineyard. Mobilizing, you mobilize. You take the vineyard of God wherever you go. The Holy Spirit is calling us. And you think of many, many people, because you can go to the Bible and look at people and say, oh, if only I was like him, if only I was like her, and get discouraged. But it's never too late with God. And many characters in the Old and New Testament, you'd have thought at one time it was too late for them. They'd had their chance, or they were too late in years. How many of you remember Abraham and Sarah, the beginning of the Hebrew nation, the beginning of the kingdom nation? And God said, now's your time, Abraham. And Abraham and Sarah laughed, didn't they? I'm too old, my time's passed. But Abraham, don't you know? It's never too late, never too late with God. Think of some of the characters in the New Testament who'd thought it was too late for them, not only to be in the father's family, but to go and work for him in the vineyard. Think of Peter. Peter started brilliantly, sprinted out of the blocks when it became a disciple of Jesus. He was casting out devils. He was walking on the water. He was having revelations from the Father. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was thinking about building tents for Jesus and Elijah and Moses. I mean, he was keeping some top-notch ministry company. And he was doing brilliant and I'll never forsake you, Jesus. Uh, I, I'm up there with the Moses and the Elishas, don't you know? Well, we do know because we've read what happened. And three times to Jesus' face and in his presence, at the uh, querying and questioning of a little maid girl, he denied him flat. I don't know him. I've never been with him and began to swear and, and call down swearing oaths over Jesus. And then at the moment when he'd done it, he looked into the face of Jesus and Jesus looked into his face and he ran away and he wept bitterly. Surely he could not be redeemed or restored from such a fall and breakdown in his discipleship life. Surely it was over for him. Well, if you know the story in John chapter 21, Jesus restores him three times, the three times that he denied him. But in that restoration, there was also a call into the vineyard of God's kingdom work. He said, 
Peter, do you love me? Peter said, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? And Peter's going, what's this about? Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep. Peter, do you at least care for me as a friend? Lord, you know I care for you as a friend. He was deeply sorrowful because that was the only level he was at at that time. Jesus said, feed my sheep. You see, in every saving, restoring move of God in our lives, there is also a call. Today, will you work in my vineyard? Think of Zacchaeus, little Zacchaeus, little in stature, big in business. I mean, he was, he was money-minded, business-minded. He would be brilliant in the financial city of London today. I mean, he would literally be at the top of the tree, not just hiding in the tree. Not only was he a brilliant businessman, but he knew where to take a few chances, hedge some of his bets and some of his finances. Uh, he, he knew how to make some money on some lending societies and some of those things. He knew how to make his money at other people's expense. And he knew what he was, but uh, he was making money. But he was interested in Jesus. And Jesus, when he walked past that tree, he didn't turn to Zacchaeus and say, Zacchaeus, I'll give you one month to sort your life out and if you sort your life out to my vineyard standards, then I'll come and have a meal with you. He didn't do that, did he? He said, Zacchaeus, up there in the tree, get down, I'm coming to eat at your house today. And before him, with all his ill-gotten gain from all the people that he had financially robbed, he set before him a meal. And guess what? Jesus ate it. He accepted Zacchaeus exactly as he was. And Zacchaeus reaction to this because he knew, knew who he was and he knew Jesus knew he was he knew everybody knew Jesus was Zacchaeus was so amazed at this acceptance that Jesus would have table fellowship with him which means I accept you this acceptance changed his life and immediately he entered the vineyard of God's kingdom and began paying back began restoring began actions that showed that not only was he pleased that he was now in the family of God, but he also heard the call, go into the vineyard and do kingdom business for me now. Think of the woman in, uh, in Luke 7, the prostitute. And Jesus enters into a very high-level Pharisee house of many Pharisees and religious leaders. And behind him is a prostitute and no one can stop her following him because no one can touch her because she's so sinful and unclean. I mean, everybody thought that she was sinful. I mean, even the sinners thought she was sinful. You didn't get any more sinful than that prostitute in people's eyes. But she followed him in and the Pharisee thought, doesn't Jesus know who this woman is? But what did this woman do? She couldn't believe she was allowed to keep company with the master with Jesus, the sinless one, the spotless one, the son of the living God. She couldn't believe that he would allow her to put wonderful perfume on his feet. Perfume, very expensive. And you know how she got the money for that perfume. And yet she allowed him to put it on his feet. She couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe it so much. God, the Holy Spirit, was working deep within her heart. Tears began to run down her face and onto his feet. And, uh, and, when, and when people started to complain, complain, Jesus said, to him, to her that is forgiven much, much love comes. Amazing. She was immediately following him. 
And isn't it interesting when we go back to that parable that I first read? He said to these great religious leaders, you said yes, but you didn't go in. But who did he say said yes and went in? It was those that thought they were always barred from the vineyard. The prostitutes, he said, the tax gatherers. I've just given you some examples of them, Zacchaeus and that woman. It says they heard, they couldn't believe they were wanted, and then they entered into the vineyard to work for the Lord. One of my most enjoyable three days in the last couple of years is when I have gone to minister in a place called Teen Challenge in Nottingham. Now, if you don't know Teen Challenge, it sets up and what it does is it goes out onto the streets of the poorest uh, areas in, in Britain and the world, in fact, and it goes to drug addicts and alcohol addicted and homeless and it goes and preaches to the gospel to them. And if they want to follow Jesus, they encourage them to come back to their special centres where they have a full programme based on prayer and the word and love that not only delivers them from those addictions that they were uh, in, but also restores them. They take them out on tour in a choir to sing in churches and then they commission them into the work of the vineyard. And I get to speak at the leaders and I also get to do the morning devotions. And sometimes in that crowd, there's a person that a week earlier was on the streets living rough, a drug addict in Grimsby. And yet a week later, there they are praising the Lord. And you hear their stories. They can't believe that God loves them so much. And they can't believe that people of God also love and care for them. They're amazed by the love. It is, it is a really humbling situation. But not only that, they can't believe that not only are they loved, but they get to work in the vineyard. They get to make a difference for God in this world. It's a marvellous parable, a wonderful thing. And Jesus was saying this was what he was seeing every day of his ministry was a teen challenge day, but not just for the teens, for all ages. And it was the drug addicts and it was the prostitutes and it was the, it was the sinners. And they were coming in their droves, re receiving forgiveness and new life and acceptance by the Father, but then going into the vineyard happily to work the kingdom works. How wonderful these things are. I think of Legion. Legion was tormented, tormented by demonic powers, tormented by his life, tormented by the world around him. He, he was submerged and subdued by all the evil powers that are around him and, and, and he, he, was, he was mad in himself. No one could control him, least himself. And Jesus knew that there were thousands and thousands of tormenting uh, influences in his life. But Jesus said, come out of him. And he allowed them to go into the pigs to demonstrate how powerful he was. And the pigs went and drowned in the waters. And the man was free from all his torment. And all he wanted to do was follow Jesus to work in his vineyard. It's not too late it's never too late. What about us? Because it wasn't just once that God said to those sons, work in my vineyard. They'd worked there before. Perhaps you have worked in God's vineyard before. 
Perhaps you were a strong key worker in the kingdom of God, but other things dragged you out of that vineyard. Perhaps you set your own orchard up down the road. Perhaps you got worn out by people around you. Perhaps you got disillusioned, or perhaps you just simply went astray and, and your value structures began to get inverted like the young boy. Who knows the reason? And you think, well, it's too late for me. It's never too late. It's never too late with God. You can enter into the vineyard work again afresh. Perhaps you are, you, you, you're, you're strong working in the vineyard right now. And you say, well, I've been working in the vineyard. Well done. Well done. Keep working. Each day there's a fresh anointing. Each day there's a fresh mercy for working in the vineyard. Don't even look at the work that you've done in the past. We're going to finish on a parable that will show us not to look at the work in the vineyard of the past, but to press forward as if we're in the vineyard for the first day or for the first week. That's where the blessing is. Thank God for the past, but I'm for the present and for the future. And so's God with you. It's not too late. It's never too late. Everybody's welcome in the vineyard. But notice, as I said earlier, the father doesn't force his children to work in the vineyard. That would be slavery. Also, I don't think it would be pleasing to him to have begrudging, miserable children in his vineyard. He's looking for people with willing hearts, hearts that the Holy Spirit has worked on. I'd like to take you to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 14. I'm going to read it in the old King James Version because it, it ends with, with a great verse about redeeming the time. Ephesians 5.14 Wherefore he says, Awake you that sleep and arise from the dead, for Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Just leave that verse up for a, a minute or two. Redeeming the time. What a wonderful phrase, redeeming the time. What does that mean? It means taking the time and purchasing it back, valuing what you're doing. You can waste time, you can misuse time, or you can redeem the time. You know, if you're a Christian here today, you've been redeemed. It means you've been bought back from a life of sin, a life of condemnation, and a life of, of devilish influence. Jesus has bought you back, not he's bought, bought you back from them as your owners, but he's paid the price. He died for your sin. He conquered Satan and he received the condemnation that was due you upon himself on the cross. He died for you and his blood paid the price for you to come back into the Father's love by faith. He redeemed you because he thought you were so precious. Understand this. You are so precious to God. You are so precious to God that if there was only one human being and it was you, it'd have still died for you. There is nothing so precious as a human soul. All human souls are equally precious from the great religious leaders to the prostitutes. None are more precious than another. 
all are equally precious in the eyes of God. Understand, God loves you and sent his son to die for you. He has redeemed you. If you choose to be redeemed, he has redeemed you. You're precious, precious, precious because he bought you with his own blood. So when he asks us to redeem the time, he's saying, use the time for God most effectively. Redeem it each day, each week, each year. Redeem it for God. Bring it back from a world of going the world's way and use it for God. The greatest way you can use your time is in God's vineyard kingdom work. No one's going to force you to go in the vineyard. He didn't force the son that said no and went in. He didn't force the son that said yes and didn't in. He'll force no one in. But don't you know the father knows what's best for you? Don't you know that that vineyard was designed for you and that you are needed in his vineyard? You've just, you've got exactly what it takes to fill your position in the vineyard ministry. No one can do what you can do. And he's not going to ask you to do what you can't do. He's not asking you to save the world by yourself. But there is a piece of this world that you can redeem and is, re and is reserved for you. Redeemed souls and redeemed lives. I'm going to end today on a parable which is in the same uh, section as the, the parable we started in. Uh, we're going to in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 1. I mentioned to those that have been working hard and strong in the vineyard, be blessed, but don't sit on your laurels. Uh, this uh, uh, parable will help you with that, if that is indeed you. Matthew 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire labourers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the labourers for a denarius, that's a, a coin of the time, a denarius wage a day, he sent them into his vineyard. He went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all this time? And they said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. So when the evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the labourers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have become, borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this to the last man, the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is it your evil eye 
because I am good. So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Let's close, let's uh, bow our heads in meditation as the worship team return.